now we're going to hand over to hear the word from Pastor Lareko. How do you know you can't hear me? <laughs> I think, are we, are we winning? Is that? Okay. Awesome. Good afternoon. It's always such a pleasure for me. I, I say this a lot, but um, uh, I say it because I mean it, that it is, it's, it's always such a pleasure for me to stand up here and to bring you the word. And, uh, and I, I consider it a, a position of privilege. Uh, and, uh, and I'm so excited that we get to we get to reflect um, on on what God has done in in 2017. Uh, this this 12 o'clock service is under a year old, under a year old. Um, 20, 20, 26th of February, um, we we we, uh, we we showed up and we trusted God. Said, Lord, um, we'll show up and you'll do the rest. Um, and he's been doing it, uh, and and I'm so I'm so privileged to have to 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 have been part of that, and just to see the faithfulness of God, and to see how He's worked, both in me, how He's worked in your lives, um, and how He continues to work. And I, I honor you for being part of that journey. I honor you for for being those pioneers who said, "Man, we we will make some changes in our lives, and we will be part of this service that starts at a weird time." And uh, and we will show people as possible, and we will, we will, we will be part of, of, of the pioneering party. Um, and there's a lot that God is going to do uh, with your willingness. There's a lot that God is going to do uh, with your faithfulness. And, uh, and as you continue to journey with Him, uh, that, that there are lives that are going to be impacted. There are lives that have been impacted this year. Man, we could tell you stories. Uh, we could tell you many stories of people's lives that have been impacted uh, people who've met Jesus for the very first time, people who are distant um, from Jesus, who are now have reconnected with Jesus, people who uh, were, were, were alienated from family who have been reconnected into family, uh, people who, who, who have been part of us and have gone, man, I, 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 just, I, haven't, I haven't felt like I belonged, and I've come into this family, into this community, and I love this community. I feel like I belong in this community. So well done for your obedience to Jesus Christ. If we could open our Bibles, please, uh, to the book of Exodus, chapter 17. Exodus, chapter 17. I, uh, I heard about... Um, a, a, uh, a, a minister who, who died and went to heaven. And, and, uh, and he called me there and he gave me the story of, on my Samsung phone. Um, <laughs> told, me, told me how it happened. Says there he was standing in the queue by the pearly gates. And, uh, and, and, and he's in the queue and there's, there's St. Peter uh, in the front, and he's got his book, and he's checking everybody out, and some are going right, and, and some are going left, and, uh, 
and, and, and two people in front of him, there's this guy, uh, that, and, and, they arrive, and they arrive at the front, and, and St. Peter says to him, uh, what's your name? And, and the guy gives him his name. He says, uh, what, was, what was your occupation back on earth? He says, well, sir, I was a taxi driver. Uh, opens his book, and he has a look. He says, ha-ha, here's your silk robe, sir. Step to the right. Inherit your massive plot of land. Off you go. And now... This minister's going, man, if that guy is getting a silk robe, is getting a mansion, I, I can't wait to get to the front of the queue. He gets to the front of the queue, gives his name. The, the angel looks at him and says, okay, what was your occupation? He says, well, sir, I was a pastor. Uh, looks, looks at his book, turns it over a little bit, goes, oh, okay, um, well, here's your synthetic fiber robe. Um, I guess you could come in. Uh, he goes, hang on, hang on, hang on. How come that guy gets all the praise and the welcome and he gets a silk robe and I get this, this synthetic fiber thing? And, the guy, and, and St. Peter looks at him and says, sir, here we deal in uh, effectiveness. Uh, you, when, when this guy drove, people prayed. When you, when you preached, people slept. So, <laughs> It's results-based. <laughs> well, we, we've reached our final week of, um, of our Power in the Name series, and, uh, and, and we've been journeying, and it's been awesome, and I, and I trust that you've been blessed. And, and we started uh, with El Roy, the God who sees, and, and, and then we discussed about um, Jehovah, Jehovah Shalom, uh, the Lord who is our peace. And last week, we spoke on Jehovah Jireh, is the, the, the Lord is our provider, the Lord who provides, uh, the Lord who himself is our provision. And today, uh, we're going to uh, talk about Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who is our banner. And, uh, and I mentioned last week uh, that, uh, that part of the beauty of looking at these names of God is discovering that in each instance, uh, when these names uh, were instated, it was on the back of revelation that was backed by experience. So people went through stuff, they experienced things, they came to a point of realization and went, aha, this is a facet of the Lord that we hadn't realized before, but now we know. Now we know that Jehovah is our peace. Now we know that the Lord is our provider. Now we know that the Lord sees us indeed. Now we know that the Lord is our banner. It didn't happen by, by happenstance. It didn't happen by chance. It happened because people uh, did business with God and they came to a point of realization. And that this realization was transferable. So they would name things. So whether it was naming uh, a, a mountain or erecting an altar or naming it, in, in this particular story that we're going to read, they, they, they named an altar. You know, the Lord is, is, is our banner. Why? So that they would never forget. So each time they walked or arrived in that area, each time they passed through, each time they would go and offer sacrifices on that particular mountain or on that particular altar, they would always remember that God is our, is our, is our banner. Jehovah Nisi. And so it was not only was it a blessing to those who experienced it, but it was a blessing to the general community. It was transferable. 
Sometimes we experience God and we have awesome experiences of God and we end up living a life of experience to experience to experience without life change. Maybe you've been in a church service or a conference, a worship service, whatever, where you have, you have been impacted by, by the Lord in, in, in a way that he's touched you in a way he's never touched you before. You've experienced him like never before. You, you, you've you received revelation like never before. Maybe you've been in this, in this 12, o'clock, 12 o'clock service long enough and you're like, man, the preaching here is powerful. There's revelation. But does that revelation change your life? Does that revelation translate to the rest of your life? Or does it stay here when you walk out that door? Do you get goosebumps, wow moments, and then that's that? That's not how they treated revelation in the Bible. When they received revelation, when God revealed himself in a phenomenal way, they did something about it. They named stuff. I want to encourage you as God interacts with you, impact your life. Do not let it be a momentary Nice moment that I'll chat about one day, or I'll have a story to tell. Let it be a revelation that is transferable or that translates into the rest of your life. Let it be something that is transferable enough to impact not just you, but your community, your sphere of influence. And so in... uh, in the, in the book of Gen, uh, not Genesis, Exodus 17, we, we read about Moses, Joshua, and the Israelites. And, and they, have, they have just come out of Egypt. And they have traveled a while uh, and have experienced some significant things already. Uh, and we pick up their story in the book, in, in, in chapter 17. Chapter 17, verse 8, uh, we'll have it up there. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Amen.
So what we have here is the troop or the, or the nation of, of Israel coming out of, of captivity, coming out of Egypt. And, 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 and they have been traveling uh, for, for, for just over a month or so, and, and, and they, they, they've seen some wonderful things, uh, and, they, and they come to this place uh, called Rephidim. And as they come into this place called Rephidim, it is the territory uh, of, the, of the Philistines. And, and so this king, Amalek, hears about this nation of people that has, has escaped from Egypt and is now moving through the different lands. And he hears, oh, king, uh, in fact, they, they are moving, they're currently moving through your land as we speak. And they've encamped there. King Amalek gets nervous. And he goes, this nation is vast. I don't know where they're going, but if I let them settle on my land for too long, I might not have some land. So let me do something about it. And so he gathers up his army and he goes to attack. And this is where we pick up the story because Moses speaks to Joshua and says, prepare some men and we're going to go and fight. Joshua, who not barely a month back was a slave, is now an army general being asked to gather men for the first fight that they are going to face since their release from captivity. So what I want to talk to you about today I want to talk to you about Rephidim. I want to talk to you about the rod of God. And then I want to see how much time we have left. Maybe I'll talk to you about faithfulness. So if we just go back to the, very, to, to, to the, to the first slide, the, the, the scripture. If you read verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. That's verse 8. Sounds normal enough. Okay, Israel came and fought with, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. But when we look into the scriptures and we understand Rephidim, and understand that the word Rephidim speaks of rest. It it's rest or stays. So, so the, what it denotes is places of rest. So what we could read into verse 8 if we were to extrapolate is now Amalek came and fought with Israel in the place of rest. Israel have left captivity, have left oppression have left where they, there was turmoil, where there was abuse, where there was no rest, have traveled a little while and have entered into a place of rest. I would forgive you if you were in this party of Israel and you knew that we are now escaping from captivity in Egypt and we are going to a place of promise and we are told, this is what we've been told. 
Moses has told us this. Our fathers told us this. Their fathers told them this. These are the stories that we were told. That there is a land somewhere out there that we've never seen that is ours. There is a land that was promised to our forefather Abraham that is ours. We're in captivity right now, but there is a promise that God will deliver us. And when he delivers us, he's going to take us into this place. And in this place, there's, there's bounty, there's plenty, there's rest. So when the day of deliverance comes and we march out and we are not sure how long the journey is going to take, but we are resolute and we have seen some things, right? So we have seen God parting the seas to let us through so that we can enter into our place. We have seen that when we arrived on the other end and we groaned, God gave us manna from heaven. And when we were tired of bread, he gave us quail that flew in from the sea miraculously. And that when we had moved into this land of Rephidim and we had no water to drink, Moses struck a rock and water gushed out. Enough water to feed or to, to, to quench the thirst of an entire nation. We've seen some things. So, man... It feels like, it's been a short time, but it feels like we've been on a journey. Have you ever been on those journeys? Have you ever been in those seasons in your life that when you quantify it, it's like, I can't believe it's just been a couple of months. Man, I'm ready for the season to end. Some of you feel like that about this year. We're like, man, when, when will it end? There are some journeys that you go on that feel like they've lasted a lifetime because of the experiences that have been jam-packed in there. A lot of the time, it's not nice experiences. It's difficult. It's challenges. It's thing, thing after thing after thing, and we get to a place of feeling like, man, how much more can I take? And you open up the calendar, and you realize, oh, but I've just been at this for a few months. The Israelites had seen a lot, and they enter into a place of rest. See, what I want to alert you to is that if you're not careful, if you're not wise, if you're not discerning, you might mistake Entering into a place of rest for entering into a place of promise. Sounds like a good place to take an offering. <laughs> you might mistake God bringing you into a place of refreshing for God bringing you into the place of promise. But God is saying, hang on. I'm not bringing you into the place of promise just yet. I'm bringing you into the place of process. See, the process would lead you to the promise, but we're not at the promise just yet. And so, what the Israelites would have had to do is to recognize that if we look at the track record, the track record should tell us we moved from Egypt, and there were some miracles. If some of us were in that troop of Israelites, you know when you see miracles and you see God moving and it's powerful, and you're thinking, 
we're going to camp here. We're going to make the most of this. We're going to tap it out. I'm not going anywhere. This feels awesome. But they saw God performing some great miracles in Egypt. Those miracles were not a sign that they should camp in Egypt. They were releasing them from Egypt. They left Egypt and they saw God parting seas so that they could walk through. That miracle wasn't a sign that they need to camp at the banks of the, of, of, of the Red Sea. God was in process. They got onto the other side. They were hungry. They groaned. God rained manna from heaven. That sign or that miracle wasn't a sign that they should camp right there. God was in process. Rained quail. They got into this land of Rephidim and there was no water. They, they groaned and they, and they complained at Moses and God told Moses, go ahead at the mountain of Horeb. There's a stone there. Strike that stone and water will gush out. And, and they saw this happening and it was it's a wonderful miracle and they were all, their, their thirst was, was quenched. They were able to feed themselves and they were able to do what they needed to do. But that wasn't a sign that they need to camp there. The miracles were a sign that they're on the right path. Not that they had arrived. And if we miss the miracles, then there is Amalek. You see, if we miss the trend, if we miss and we misdiscern what God is doing and we camp in our place of comfort, guess what happens? There's an Amalek who will come and who will make war with you. Make it uncomfortable for you to stay in your place of comfort. Cause you to realize that this place that you're in was a place of refreshing. You're refreshed. Get up and move. Let's go. There's a promise that is waiting for you. There's far greater that is waiting for you than what you can do here in Rephidim. I know it looks nice. I know it looks bountiful. I know it looks restful. But where you're going is so much better. There is a promise that is waiting for you because God has made this promise. God carries a bigger picture than what you're carrying. And if we are holding on to that goodness, remember last week we spoke about the goodness of God that carries us through. If we're holding on to that, then we don't allow the trappings of comfort to hold us back. Sometimes Amalek will come to move you along. So, what is this story actually about? I had the privilege of going to the valley and... Uh, uh, taking a, a, a nice picture, and that's where Moses sat when you got tired. And the guys were down there, and, and if you do some excavations, you can still see the, the bones. And, and, uh. <laughs> in, in the original Hebrew, stone really means bench. I worry that you guys just believe everything I say. <laughs> What is the story about? Um, Moses goes up to the hill, goes up the mountaintop. Joshua 
goes down to the valley to fight, and God uses them both. Moses goes up to the, to, to the hilltop. Joshua goes down to the valley, and God uses them both for his glory. God says to, or Moses says to Joshua, you go down, you fight, I'll go up with the rod of God. Joshua doesn't go, hang on a moment. I have a better idea. <laughs> you go fight, <laughs> and I'll go park up the top of the hill. How's that? Joshua complies, and he puts the army together, and off they go, and they fight. Now, the end of the story is that they win, right? And, the, and as long as Moses' hands were held up, that they would prevail. And as long as he had the, 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 the rod of God in his hand, then, then, then they would prevail, just two things in this is that, so, so the, thing, the thing that caused them to prevail was that Moses held the rod of God and, point, and, and held it up, and as long as that was held, they, they, they would prevail. So why did it have to be Moses who, who holds the rod of God up? Why couldn't, jo why couldn't Joshua go, well, let, maybe just change things up. You risk your life. and uh, <laughs> you, you go fight. God appointed Moses. I'm sure anybody could have held the rod. But God wanted Moses to hold the rod. And if, as long as God is wanting Moses to hold the rod, Joshua, you hold the sword and you go and fight. See, when we are able to keep our lane, when we are able to be faithful with the things that God is calling us to be faithful with, when we are able to fulfill our role in the team, there is something awesome that happens. There is something awesome that happens with our faithfulness. There is something awesome that happens with our discipline. There is something awesome that happens when we hold our part, and that is that God brings revelation. So not only did they, 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 they won because each man played his part. So if you think of, A soccer team. Let me make a sports example. Let's say I'm the goalie. My job is to stop the goals from coming in, right? We have, we have somebody over there, and their, goal, their, their job is to score the goals. Now I recognize, hang on a moment. Hoffi's job is to score the goals. My job is to stop the goals. But all the cameras look at him, and he gets all the glory. I'm tired of this. I'm going to go score some goals. Do you know what's going to happen with our team? We're going to score lots of goals. Because now we've got two people scoring goals. But we're still going to lose. We're going to score lots of goals, but we're still going to lose. Because no one's stopping the goals from coming in. So if I don't understand my part, I cost the whole. I need to be faithful with my part. And if I'm faithful with my part, then God is able to entrust me with revelation. Now, if I, if I skip right to the end, if I skip right to the end, Mo, uh, um, God says to Moses, uh, uh, some awesome promises that are coming up, read, uh, uh, read these in, 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 in the hearing of Joshua. Uh, so, so here's what I'm going to do. Uh, read these in, in the hearing of 
of, of Joshua. So verse 14 says, The Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Write what just happened. Write the promises that I've now made and read them in the hearing of Joshua. Why, why did God want these promises to be read in the hearing of Joshua? Moses' time was coming to an end. And God knew that fast forward some 40 years and they're going to enter into the land of promise and they're going to need a new leader. And he already remembers Joshua to say, read these in the hearing of Joshua because I want Joshua to lead my people after you. Where was Joshua? Joshua was in the valley fighting. Joshua was in the place that he had called to be in. Joshua was in his place of faithfulness. You see, Joshua wasn't contending with Moses for the hilltop. Joshua was faithful with the role that he had been tasked to play. And because of his faithfulness, God was already elevating him. You see, we want promotion. We want the hilltop. But you cannot be promoted to the hilltop until you've been faithful in the valley. Maybe you are in a valley time right now, and you feel like there are other people that are getting the glory. You feel like there's work that you're putting in. Man, I'm doing all the work. Somebody else is getting all the glory. I'm doing all the work. I'm not getting the recognition. Really, I should be. I could do that so much better. Lord, if you would just put me in that position. Lord, if you would just promote me and allow me to manage this team, I would manage it so much better. Joshua maybe could have come up with a better strategy than Moses. But he was faithful. And because he was faithful in the valley, God would elevate him to the hilltop. Joshua wasn't an afterthought. Joshua wasn't called up because Moses died. God was already putting, up, putting his finger on Joshua, saying, I recognize the faithfulness here, and I'm going to groom him. I'm going to build him because there's going to come a time where I'm going to call him. Can you be trusted with the little? Can you be trusted with what God has put into your hands right now? Have you lost sight of what God has put into your hands because you are squarely trained on what he has put into somebody else's hands? You're looking at the gifts that he's put onto somebody else. You're looking at the blessings that somebody else has received. You're looking at the promotion that somebody else has received. You're looking at the blessing and the favor that they're walking in, and you're sulking because that's not you. You're sulking because, man, during wartime, I have to go and do the dog work. This guy parks up on the hilltop and raises his hands. (laughs) If you would be faithful... Scripture tells us that Joshua defeated Amalek at the edge of the sword. If you'd be faithful, God will recognize your faithfulness, and at the appointed time, he will raise you up to the hilltop. 
Now, last thing. Last thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to close, is this. On the, on the, on the mountaintop, chilling on the bench, uh, Moses, well, he gets tired, first of all, um, and, and, uh, and so they put a, a rock under him, and he sits there, and they hold up his hands. Who, who, who's up at the, on, on the hilltop with him? Aaron, Aaron and her. So Moses took two elders up with him, and they're standing on the hilltop. And what is their job? Not to be Moses. So when they recognize that Moses' hands are getting tired, and he drops his hands, and the fight starts to overwhelm them, they don't look at Moses and go, Moses, you're costing us. Give me that rod. I've always thought I could do it better. I've always known that I could do it better. I've never said, in fact, this is the right time to bring up some things that I've been holding on to for a while. I'm so glad we're having this moment because I've been meaning to bring some things up, Moses. No, they didn't do that. They go, Moses, you're struggling. Let's find a rock. Let's put a rock under you. Sit, Moses. Okay, now you're sitting. Moses, your hands are getting tired. Okay, her on this side. Aaron, I'll be on this side. Let's hold them up. You don't have to do anything. Just we'll hold them up. You just lean against us this whole entire day because if you just sit there and lean against us and we allow God to use us to help you, we will win. There's a word in there for someone. When we are in partnership, God brings revelation. What was the revelation that he gave them? The Lord is our banner. The Lord watches over us. The Lord sings over us. The Lord covers us. The Lord is when, when, when other armies come against us, it is the banner of the Lord that intimidates them. Amen.